When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello Bulls fans, welcome to Bulls HQ, a Chicago Bulls podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. We, of course, are here to talk about our Chicago Bulls and after back-to-back games against Tom Thibodeau and the New York Knicks, who better to have on to talk Bulls than maybe the biggest Tom Thibodeau fan in the whole world, a man who drives erratically in a big red bus around the burbs of Chicago. He is the Red Fred, aka Fred P from the United States of America. Frederick, how are you, sir? Oh, living the dream, Mark, living the dream. I tell you, I was in such a good mood until this evening, and I'm kind of torn, you know, because it always feels good to, to be justified, you know, and uh, Denzel Valentine I absolutely did that for me tonight. I mean, what a moment there for me. Uh, <laughs> tears uh, streaming out of my eyes as I looked on, and the whole world, you know, realized and said in unison, Fred was right. Fred was right. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, uh, and then, but they still lost, you know. So I mean, it's, it's kind of torn, kind of tough. I gotta ask you: I, is your favorite animal uh, or uh, dinosaur T Rex? <laughs> Why? <laughs> you seem Why? to have a fondness for these players with short arms, like short arms Nawaba, short arms Sato. All these guys <laughs> that have to bend over to zip up their pants. You seem to love. Right. I don't. If, can you explain to me what Sato's, what's his, you know, big redeeming quality? To get this started and going because I feel like I'm a, on an island here where I don't understand why people just think this guy is, you know, great. What am I missing? I, I can't believe this is the way we're starting the podcast after the Bulls just lost to Tom Thibodeau and the Knicks. Maybe that's why we are starting the, the podcast like this way. Maybe you're diverting the conversation away from the Bulls losing <laughs> yeah. to the Knicks in somewhat embarrassing fashion to a degree. I mean, they couldn't obviously buy a basket. They couldn't... I mean, they should have won both of these games against the Knicks. They got one of them, but ultimately, the Knicks probably, if they shot better in Game One, then maybe this is a maybe it's a, a, an 0-2 run here against the Knicks. So, is this a die a diverting tactic from you, Frederick, to, to ask me about Sadoransky? Maybe because Sado actually wasn't the problem tonight. I think the rest, uh, Denzo was three of seven from three, which is forty-two point eight percent. The rest of the team three of twenty-five, twelve percent. You're not going to win many games. Zach, Laurie, Pat, Will, Kobe, four to five starters who are you know, responsible for most of your three-point shooting, two of 22. I mean, you can't win. You can't win in today's NBA shooting like that. It's insanity. And i got to no. hand it to Tom because I watched this Knicks team, and I'm, like, just amazed this guy's won, like, more than five games because this team sucks. I mean, Randall's rock-solid player, the rest of the team. Is there anybody else on that team that you really are, would say, oh, I'd love to have him on the Bulls? No, no, not really at all, to be he honest with you. Yeah. So, I, I mean, he's doing a good job. i got to hand it to him, you know. Playing these guys big minutes, the, his best players big minutes, but you got to hand it to him because the team is not that talented. And they're winning, you know, winning more than I expected. And they look, they're playing great defense, as a lot of Tom Thibodeau's teams typically do, but they are so bad on offense that, you know, I think they had 60, either 61 or 63 points at the half against the Bulls in this game. that the, We are recording this straight after the Bulls lost to the Knicks. So we are maybe a little bit emotional at this point, um, which is fun for me because I obviously enjoy when you are emotional on the podcast. I, I wasn't too disappointed, actually, that the Bulls lost this game because I knew that I obviously had you coming on the podcast and I was hoping that you would be enraged and um, maybe you know giving me some lols in that sense. So uh, I'm, I'm a little surprised and disappointed that you haven't come out with a little bit more anger, to be honest with you. Well, but, um, well the Valentine mitigated that, but I, I, believe me, <laughs> if, if Valentine was uh, one of four and played you know five minutes, I would be just furious and throwing my computer through the, the window. I am a little PO'd about a few things. Is this the last two games not just a microcosm of Laurie Markkinen's career in Chicago? Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's it's insane. It's just 
it's insanity. And I got to whisper it because if I dare criticize him, you know, like the whole army comes after me. But my goodness, I mean, it's, what was he tonight? Three of eight from the field, 0 for four from three in 35 minutes. He had how many rebounds? Four uh, rebounds in 36 minutes. Unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, zero assists, zero steals, zero blocks. Um, I guess zero turnovers is good, but another zero. <laughs> Nine points in 36 minutes. Yeah. I mean, partly, I mean, it's not all on Larry Markman. The offense was just completely terrible tonight against the Knicks. The, the ball movement was no, non-existent, non-existent. Player movement was non-existent. And for a player like Larry, who is a heavily assisted player, I mean, he thrives when the ball is zipping along or when the offense is humming along. And in, in this situation where the balls aren't necessarily moving the ball as well as they have previously... Uh, the last few games, I think they have been moving the ball quite well. You know, someone like Lowry can be exposed or taken out of games pretty quickly. But, I mean, when he's not scoring or he's not shooting that three-point shot, it, it just doesn't give you anything else, which is the biggest problem. So, I don't know. I, look, if if, if Lowry, Markin and friends, you know, get disappointed about us saying that, I don't understand why, because I don't think it's us being, you know, unfair or being too harsh. I think it's just the reality of the situation. So, uh, look, I'm with you, Fred. I, I, I it, It's been a good start to this season from Larry Markkinen, but we've seen him go on these sorts of 10, 12, 14-game runs before. I mean, February 2019, he did it. We all, we all got too hyped about it then, and I fell victim to that. Even in December 2019 under Jim Boylan, uh, Larry Markkinen was putting up the same numbers that he is now per 100 possessions under Boylan as he was, sorry, under Donovan as he was with Jim Boylan back in December of 2019. That lasted 12 games, that little hot streak that he was on there with Boylan. We've gone 13 games here with the start this season, or Larry's at least played 13 games this season. Very similar numbers. I'm just considering this another hot streak because it's just been up and down and inconsistent for Larry throughout his Bulls tenure. So to your point, I'm, I'm with you. And if that makes marketing fans mad, then I don't know, so be it, I guess. Well, I, I don't want to also come across as a complete non-believer in Larry Markin. Believe me, I understand the value in what he does in being a seven-footer big man that's going to pull the opposition out to the three-point line when he's hitting. But just... In general, that's my biggest issue with Larry Markin. He just missed far too many wide-open three-pointers. For a guy, that's supposed to be his primary skill, and everything good that Larry does emanates from that, the ability to hit the three and attack the closeouts. That's just something he hasn't been able to do with enough consistency. And there's just too many games like we've had tonight where he's not hitting 0 for 4. I mean, just it's, it's not good. It's just not good. And you're right, he doesn't bring anything else in, in any uh, level of excellence that would kind of mitigate bad nights like this. And it's just, it's just really frustrating because when he does have a good game on Monday, you just see how much, it, how much it opens it up for the other players and really helps the team. Um, but, you know, I don't know. It, it's frustrating because he's a very polarizing player in the fan base. I can see it because, you know, I, I was always on his side until this year. And I was quite frustrated with a few games, specifically in the Oklahoma City game, which I thought he lost, basically. And, um, you know, right away, anytime there's any critiques of him, I just, I've noticed, oh my gosh, you know, like, um, they, they just come after you. And, you know, that's always been frustrating for me because, you know, I've supported a lot of players for whatever reason that weren't beloved by the fan base. And only like myself or Casey Johnson and Stacey King saw how good this player was. You know, coming to mind, Ben Gordon, just underrated players over the history of the, of the my fandom. Uh, I've had a soft soft spot for them, and this is a this is a guy for whatever reason just seems to be, I think, a little bit overrated with the fan base. You know, um, yeah. I dare say it. I dare say it without getting too many people angry. And again, I, I like the kid, but come on, you can't excuse a game like tonight. No, it it, it was bad. It was bad. And look, I've, I've probably been out on Larry for. A bit of time now, and so I'm used to the uh, the blowback. Let's say I'm often got people coming after me for my uh, for my Larry takes. Shout out to a few members of the uh, Bulls HQ Discord channel who don't necessarily appreciate my slander of Larry. They know who they are. Um, but look, I, again, I, I have my moments when I get a little bit emotional with Larry. But I think coming back to it, like I think everything that was said and everything we see from Larry, like when he's on. 
you know, and shooting the ball the way he does. He, he can be a very valuable offensive player when he when he's spacing the floor like the way he can, when he's spotting up the way he can, and, and shooting the way that he can. But when he's not doing that, for whatever reason, whether that's self-induced or whether it's because the, the, his teammates aren't necessarily creating offense for him, they don't necessarily know how to move the ball, or, you know, it, it's tough for a big man like that playing in a backcourt like with Zach Levine and, and Kobe White, two guys who aren't natural playmakers. So I, I get that. But at the same time, like if you want to get paid the big bucks, which is obviously what he's chasing at this point, if you want to be an actual credible second, third option on a decent team, which obviously the Bulls aren't necessarily a decent team at this point, but if we're thinking about you know two, three years down the road when we're hopefully a playoff team, if you want to be that caliber of offensive player, then you need to be a little bit more than just a jump shooting big who is assisted on 80% of his baskets. So that's where it's problematic. I think here's where we diverge a little. Like, I okay. don't have a problem with paying Ryan Market in $20 million a year. I think really? he's probably worth that. Yes, I do. Like, I, and I'm not a fan of this idea that seems to come with your side that, oh, let's just let him walk. You know, like, let's just let him, you know, sign with another team for $25 million and, and, hey, take it easy. What? You know, like, he's still a talented player. He's still a valuable member of the, of the team. And we're not any better by not replacing him. You know, I just don't understand that thought line either. Like, how much is he worth? To me, he's worth $20 million for what he brings, probably 15 to $20 million. And I'm just saying, that's what the market is. Bertans is making $15 million. He's sticking better than Bertans. Is he not? Yeah, I, I don't necessarily disagree that he's potentially better than Bertans. He's definitely not a better shooter, let's say, but he has more upsizes, maybe a better player, has more potential because he he's younger. So I understand that point of view, and maybe the market will grade it out to that point where he is getting, you know, offers of twenty million or more. But just because that is the case doesn't mean that it, you know, it makes sense for the Bulls to bring him back. And for someone like Lowry, he can be inconsistent, and maybe we can get by on it because he's only earning, you know, seven eight million dollars at this point, whatever the number may be. But once you're still playing at this level that he is now, where you're sort of hot and cold, but you're also averaging. Well, not averaging, but you're being paid $20 million. Whatever value you still bring on the court is now negated some because of the contract that you're earning beyond your rookie deal. So I understand understand what you're saying in terms of not losing him for nothing, and that wouldn't be ideal. I wouldn't want to lose him for nothing if a team out there offers him $17, $18 million. I'm prepared to give him $15, and I, I won't let him go for that $2 million delta. But if someone comes knocking and pays him at $25 million per season, well, I'm only prepared to give him five, uh, 15, rather. I, I'm not giving, I'm not making up that 10 million delta. I'm, I'm letting him go, and I'm, I'm, you know, there's an opportunity cost to everything, I suppose, and I'm just wondering if that cap space could be better used elsewhere, because, I don't know, Fred, is it, it, to me, he's kind of a replaceable player, and maybe not necessarily by anyone on this Bulls team right now, because Otto Porter is just consistent, or consistently injured, but, I mean, if Otto wasn't, consistently injured, let's say, I would have no issue at all with just saying, you know, let's let's trade Larry now, let's let him walk, and let's just have Otto play power forward. But obviously that we can't do that because Otto's missing every second game, it feels like. But I don't know. Yeah, to me, it feels like Larry's completely replaceable. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think it's going to be as easy as you think to replace a, a big that can shoot, you know, or at least, I agreed, he's not a consistent shooter, but he can shoot. He does have that ability when he's on. He really makes the team significantly better. It's just like, I don't think it's going to be easy to find somebody just to walk in and replace them. I hope I'm wrong on this, but you know, that's why I kind of, I'm kind of moving more towards, you got to trade him and I'm not for trade Lonzo Ball. That had to be a really rough moment for you. If you listen to the latest, uh, give me the hot sauce podcast <laughs> when Zach Lowe came out and said how, you know, basically how ridiculous that idea was to trade Larry for Lonzo Ball guys, uh, you know, 49% career free throw shooter, just go to hack Alonzo in any game that matters. I, I don't understand that. Can you justify that for me again one more time? What's your fascination with Lonzo? Well, I have I have not listened to any podcast that features oh, Stacey King. Um, I would listen for, for Zach Lowe, but I haven't listened to that podcast. Oh, um, I, I have, what, what's this, I, when did this happen? Are you still <laughs> mad about Wendell Carter Jr. and the drop? Uh, yeah, Stacey King is not in, in my good books at the moment. I mean, he's just, he's just <laughs> bad. But, I mean, I have most certainly listened to the Big Red Bus or any anything with you in it, basically looking for content, looking for angles to maybe bring back into our conversations. And <laughs> I do, I do notice, or even on Twitter actually, that you find a way to sort of bring up 
the fact that I would trade Lowry to Lonzo and you do so in disparaging terms. But I, I don't know, why wouldn't you want to do that deal at this point? Like, Lonzo is clearly a flawed player. I, I certainly admit that. I don't think he is the uh, the second coming of Jesus himself. Uh, I'm not sitting here saying he's a, he's a perfect player, he's going to solve all our problems, or that he's, you know, the point guard of the future, let's say. He, he may just be a stopgap solution, but I kind of feel similarly about him as I do Larry Markin. They're both flawed players. They're both problematic players, but I just wonder if Lonzo brings some skills that are more relevant to this team and maybe would, you know, maybe let's call it a wash from a skill set point of view in terms of maybe they're similarly tiered players, but I just feel like Lonzo can help his team most certainly on the defensive side of the ball. He can help from a playmaking point of view. I think with Bulls, with Lonzo could play a more smaller pace and space type offense where Something similar to what we saw when that Lowry was out, when, when Patrick Williams, Otto Porter, even Thad Young were playing more power forward and the Bulls were able to cover the power forward position that way. Getting away from these two traditional big big man lineups, like that's something I inherently want the Bulls to do. And if you're trading a big like Lowry for a guard like Lonzo, I don't know, it just it makes a lot of sense to me. You can play with a lot of wings, a lot of guards at the same time. Oh, that's why I like a Frederick. So I, I don't necessarily think that Ball is the solution, the long-term solution. I don't think he's the uh, the second coming, as I said, but I also don't feel that way about Larry. So why not just flip it around and see what it's, see if it's, see if it sticks, basically. I'm glad you noticed uh, that I purposely uh, alerted uh, Laurie's army to your disses, your consistent disses on him. Uh, that was strategic on my part. Uh, I just want oh, to was let it? you was know. It? <laughs> I just want to let you know. <laughs> uh, I will take a step back about Stacey King too, because that's one thing that does bring us together. Is this, I'm con- consistently irritated with uh, a large percentage of the fan base that just think whatever Stacey says is like you know just you know biblical truth, right? You yeah. know, I mean, yeah. he's not yeah. a perfect man. He makes mistakes like we all do. Um, and you know, I think there's some scientists in Idaho that say I may be right more often than Stacy, maybe. So I don't know, but on this one issue, I, I happen to agree with you that how do we know what, what Billy Donovan is asking Wendell Carter to do in a drop defense? And he's constantly getting criticized for it. And a, a large percentage of the fan base then takes that, runs with it, and thinks that Wendell is not good at defense. And today I highlighted on Twitter, an interview with Donovan, which where he stated that he's asking not a Wendell is out, some of these smaller players to play higher, to play higher in the in the drop defense or closer to the free throw line after that pick, than Wendell was asked to play. So it basically confirmed what you and I have always thought, and um, you know, so just I, I hope people go to that tweet that I sent today. What was the point of this long rambling statement? Oh, here's the point. <laughs> Wendell Carter Jr. out of this lineup, this team sucks defensively. Uh-huh. I mean, it was 100%. terrible before. It was terrible yeah. before. Yeah. It is now beyond bad. And the reason why is they have, in my opinion, three plus defenders. Thaddeus Young, Garrett Temple, Wendell Carter Jr. That's it. Anybody else in this roster is basically right now average in Otto Porter Jr. He used to be above average. He's now average because he's, you know, his muscles are made of styrofoam and he's not healthy. <laughs> Yeah. And then everybody else after that is not a plus defender, or yeah. I think some of them are sub defenders, including yeah. often our starting lineup. So um, that's a problem, and we got to we got to get a, a, a guy. In my opinion, of bringing a Coro to Cleveland, that was really the only addition they made. Really freed up Sexton, you know, uh, Sexton and Garland to really play better. And I think that's what this team needs badly. They need a three that is really just elite defensively. They can guard twos and ones. I love Pat Will, and I thought he had a really nice game tonight. He's just not there defensively. He's, he's too young, and he's not. He's a three to four. He can't guard twos once. He's just not quick enough to do that. So uh, that's another yeah. step. Yeah, look, I I completely agree with you on on the Patrick Williams thing. I I still believe his his best position is at power forward, and I think that's ultimately where he will play. And you know, I understand some people. Uh, you know, take exception to those comments. They say, well, look, he, he's guarded uh, LeBron James, he's guarded Kawhi Leonard, Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard, rather, you know, two of the best wings in the NBA. And, you know, that's that's all good and true, but they are two of the bigger wings in the NBA, two wings who happen to play a lot of power forward, actually. So, uh, yeah, I, I completely agree. I think he's a player that you want scaling up, not necessarily scaling down in the rotation. So they do need some perimeter defense, and, and just to allow 63 points to this Knicks team, I mean, 
like I said, this is one of the worst offensive teams in the NBA. And despite that, in that first half in particular, I mean, they were able to just get consistently in the lane, uh, in the lane rather, that were, you know, just creating at will. I mean, could someone please guard Alfred Payton and maybe box him out? I mean, what is Kobe White doing? Like, do you know where your man is at any point when you're, when you know, once the shot goes up? I mean, the Knicks are driving the ball in the lane the whole time. You know where they're trying to get to. After they're throwing the ball at the rim, and it's literally throwing the ball in the rim because they can't necessarily shoot. Why aren't you just putting a body on a man who's the, who they've clearly been told in this game by, by Tibbs, and it was a really good adjustment by them, to just crash the offensive glass, try to punish the Bulls' defensive rebounding, which has been a strong suit for the team this season, but has been quite bad since Wendell has been out. I mean, put a body on Alfred Payton, who had three offensive rebounds in the first uh, in the first quarter, which is ridiculous. But to your point about that, the, the defense itself, I mean, and what we were talking about with Stacey King, I mean... The, the guard defense is so bad that even guys like Alfred Payton are able to sort of get by screens, get through screens or around their own screens, and just walk into the lane at will. And I don't know what you want the big man to do at that point. Yeah, I'm fine. The big can sort of step up in pick and roll. Maybe maybe can, he can be a step faster or a step higher, all these sorts of things. But you're just not allowing the big enough time to rotate and help whilst also having the rotation on the backside enough time to rotate and help. And particularly with bigs like Mitch Robinson and Nerland and Snowell who are just going to dive all game and just going to be uh, jumping jumping for alley-oops. I mean, the, the Bulls' point of attack needs to be so much better. And I just implore Bulls fans to go and watch... Go and watch this this Knicks game, this Knicks loss. You probably won't want to go and watch a replay, but if you if you are you know sick in that sense, just go and focus on Kobe White and his defense and just how bad he is on defense right now. I, I just I just can't take it at this point, Fred. I mean, we we just got done talking five ten minutes about how inconsistent Larry Marketing is, but I mean Kobe White is right there with him, even if even more so. I think he's probably more problematic than Larry at this point in my eyes. You probably have a point there. I've been a defender of Kobe White. I still like the kid, and I think he's got a much higher ceiling than most people expect. But there's no denying the fact that he's been awful, and tonight was, uh, you know, inconsistently awful. I, he's had some good games this year. He was absolutely fantastic in the game in Sacramento. That was one of the best performances I've seen from a bull, you know, in a while. He was great that night. Uh, but, yeah, there's just been far too many nights like tonight, 4-13 from the field, 2-8 of eight from 3. I almost just fell out of my chair when Donovan put him out there at the end of the game after Denzel had just basically brought the team back. And to everyone else who also, I can't, I was talking to Ramina, and I think she had this quote on there like, he ruined our momentum, Denzel ruined our momentum. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He was the momentum. What do you mean he ruined the momentum? I mean, for <laughs> my God, what are you watching? Is, is, is everybody, am I in Bizarro World? Denzel Valentine was fantastic tonight. He was great. No one you, can You've created this. this reality. You know that, right? What do you mean? I've created this. I've created. This. You've created this reality that everyone just dislikes Denzel. Well, I mean, not not entirely by yourself. You haven't created it. I mean, Denzel's a bit of a weird. He's a weird unit. He does some crazy things on the court and some frustrating things, and is just overly confident. But the uh, the amount that you just uh, push the Denzel Valentine narrative, I think, most certainly has had effect on the uh, the pulse of the fan base and how they feel about him. That's that's how influential you are, Frederick. You're probably right. In an alternative universe, if I didn't exist, Denzel Valentine might be one of the more favorite players on this team. Who knows? He'd be a beloved bull. His jersey would be in the uh, in the rafters in that <laughs> in that reality, and um, it would he'd be probably, highly ironic. He'd probably be in your Nawaba coach's son uh, <laughs> class. I bet. For sure, I'd it love him in that reality. For, wasn't for me, um, you know. But I, when we are in agreement, I think more often than not this year, I hate to admit it. And on the defensive point of attack from our perimeter defenders, we are freaking terrible. Yeah. And it has to be fixed. You know, Garrett Temple was a nice signing. But, um, you know, I think now after watching the quarter of the season here, I'm kind of coming to the realization that either Kobe's probably going to have to go to the bench or they're going to have to move Zach and if, if they really believe in Kobe as a two-guard. You know, my issue with Kobe is the more I watch him, he's not like an uber-athlete. And he's not long. No. And I think he's always going to struggle at finishing at the rim. Even if he does really reach that elite level, I think he can get eventually as a shooter. I think, you know, he put, I like his shot. I think his shot, he's got a nice shot. Um, you know, it doesn't always go in consistently, but usually with enough work and apparently he has that, that work ethic, he's going to 
get much better as a shooter. I've seen it. He's had a lot of nice moments. Um, but that's my issue is that even if you are that good of a shooter, you got to be able to finish. you got to be able to have the length and the ability, athletic ability, to finish at the rim. And, I mean, tonight, it was it was an absolute joke sometimes when he took it to the rim. I was like, it would literally looked like when I would play my son in block him, you know, when he was in third grade. And, um, you know, Mitchell Robinson, some of the blocks that he had on him, I'm like, do you see this guy here? Like, what, what am I missing? Why are you or Noel, I think, had a block on him? Yeah. Kobe, come on. He just It was just terrible. Yeah, and I agree. He's not good enough defensively to kind of, you know, to kind of make up make up for his um, inconsistency on the offensive end. So it sounds like you're out on him full time now. You and I'm Doug Bonus. I'm, I'm not out on Kobe White. Uh, I don't think he's as good as some people do. I, I mean, I often get a lot of people, particularly on Twitter, when I say something negative, let's say about Kobe White, telling me that you know he's only 20. He's uh, only 20 games that are started this season, or whatever it might be. He's a future star. These are the often the uh, the comments I get back to me, and I completely disagree with all of that. I mean, like, I don't care that he's only 20. I don't care that he's only 20 games into his sophomore season, starting in a position that he's never played before, because this isn't about Kobe White or just Kobe White. I, to me, the Bull Chicago Bulls aren't just Kobe White's team. He's not talented enough. He's not good enough to warrant mortgaging the the success of this team or, and the success of this season based on his play at point guard. I mean, I'm sitting here wondering and watching these games, like how many quarters have we lost this season and potentially how many games have we lost this season based on the play of, of Kobe White? I mean, okay, had he yeah. been 10, 20% better in, in certain games, would the Bulls have a winning record right now? Uh, and maybe that's a little bit harsh for me to even posit that, but... That's how bad he has been, and I, I kind of feel bad at times for even suggesting that because it's kind of unfair for them to be asking him to play the point guard position when I clearly have noted online, on this podcast, on Twitter, that I don't think he is a point guard. So I do feel for him that they're not putting him in a position to succeed here. At least that's what I think. I don't think he's a point guard, and for that reason, I, I feel bad for Kobe because I do think he's better off ball. I do think he's a good shooter. I think he's more of a shooting guard than a point guard. So I, I have to constantly check myself in that sense because I, I do feel like the team is putting him in a, in a tough spot. But at the same time, based on results, from a point guard point of view, he's not he's not delivering and I, it's costing the team at this point. And I feel bad for Kobe. That's kind of on Karnaschovas that he's sort of allowed this situation to happen. I know that they've gone with a, a sink or swim approach at point guard, but I don't know. After watching years and years of bad point guard play in Chicago, I just... Maybe I'm taking it unfairly on Kobe to a degree, but he's just not a point guard. I'm not out on Kobe White, but let's put him in the right position. Let's put him off the ball, whether that's as a starter, whether that's off as a bench player, but he's not a point guard in my eyes, and I've seen nothing this season to suggest that. Well, I will counter. I think there have been moments this season where I have seen him improve his ability to facilitate for others, have a lot more assists. I, I think he has improved in that. Area. He's improved, is it enough he's to satisfy you? No, obviously not. It is enough to say, oh, he's going to be a point guard. But again, I keep on coming back to this. It's a tough position to learn. It's the hardest position in basketball, in my opinion, to learn well on the offensive end. And, you know, I'm not willing to say it's definitely over. It's not looking at Delaton life support. And I will make this admission now, Mark, for you and all the listeners. I, I will say this. Um, there are nights when I wake up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat, worried <laughs> that this Bulls team that's improved a lot this year, there's no doubt about it. They're on the way up. There's a, they're, they're rising quickly. But I will say in the back of my mind, I am concerned that has this improved play been due primarily to PYT as opposed to the young guys on this team? The vet mob. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even want to go there right now, but you do know Mrs. Young already overruled you there, right? Yeah, but what that about the 60% white. of people that voted in that poll? They clearly matter. said vet mob is better than PYT. Cake. Let them eat cake. <laughs> I don't, that doesn't matter. Mrs. Young, <laughs> basketball royalty, unless you get Gear Temple's wife to uh, admit it. I Can you just explain that to the listeners who don't know what you're talking about? I think you give them some context as to what you went and did. Okay. I reached out to Dad Young's wife on Twitter, who <laughs> occasionally responds to my, you know, I freaking love Dad Young uh, tweets and stuff like that. She's responded to them like, so do I. <laughs> Another hilarious thing, she's a very fine, uh, very funny and engaging uh, young woman. 
And so I reached out to her and asked her, hey, Mrs. Young, could you help us come to the conclusion of what we should call this bench? I suggest PYT after the Michael Jackson song, Pretty Young Thing, in terms of Otto Porter, the P for Porter, the, the Y for Young, and the T for Temple. And really, that's the, the core of what makes this bench so great. As Maybe opposed to this, yeah. this lame vet mob moniker that you've thrown on on this team, which is only really appropriate for a roving band of Italian animal doctors. So <laughs> she she agreed with me, PYT, and thus that should be the name going forward. That mob is so dumb. It's such a ham-handed attempt to come uh, up with a yeah. We, 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 we had the bench mob. Let's call them the vet mob. Are you kidding? Well, the, the vets were on that same team too. Oh my god, just so dumb. Anyhow, uh, I, I digress. Where were we? Oh yeah. So I was worried about the dead. <laughs> I always call the vet mob. Pyt is the reason for the high, highly improved play, as opposed to Markin and Pat Will, Kobe White, Zach. So. You know, Zach's been good, but the other guys, you know what I mean? Do you see what I'm saying here? I'm I, I see what you're saying, and to take that point and lead, in, lead into another topic, I'll, I'll connect the two because I wanted to talk about this anyway. But, like, to me, Zach has clearly gone up another level. He's clearly improved as an offensive player, which is kind of crazy to think about because he was just so good last season as an individual scorer. He's taken that up another level. He's essentially a 50-40-90 guy at this point of the season, which is just crazy. He should be an all-star. He's made strides as an offensive player. He's made strides as a playmaker. Yes, he's still poor on defense at times. Yes, he still is prone to turnovers. But I'm okay in overlooking that to a degree, given the, the strides he's made. So Zach is completely fine in my book. He continues to get better and better and better. To your point, the vet mob, Fred, they have raised the floor of this Bulls team. Guys like, I mean, Thad Young is the second best bull on the team right now. He's, you know, he's unbelievable. I'd argue the last four games has been the best bull. I don't think, yeah, I think that's I unassailable. Mean, I mean, Zach was terrible tonight, I thought, with a lot of terrible shots, and he just resorted. Anytime he doesn't move the ball quickly, he's resorting to hero ball, and that's what he did tonight. But, yeah, he's, he's basically averaging almost a triple-double for the last four games. Come on, I mean, the guy's been absolutely fantastic. And he's, he's in the running for sixth man of the year. He should be. He, he didn't get close to the triple-double tonight off the bench, but what he did have is 19 points and five steals, nine of 11 field goals. So, I mean, Thad Young the last four games has been unbelievably good, but even before that, he's just been consistently good. He's a, he's a revitalized Thad Young. The first 10 games of the season, Garrett Temple was fantastic. He's cooled off some now, but he's still a, a, a key piece on this team because he plays both sides of the ball. We talked about Otto Porter and the fact that he's in and out because of his injuries, but when he does play, he, he's good. He, he's, he's not as good as he once was, but he's still good. I believe in Sadoransky. Obviously, you don't. But I think those four players, plus Zach, they are lifting the base of this team, the foundations of this team. It's on the younger players to sort of take the, the ceiling of the team upwards, but that isn't necessarily happening. I mean, we talked about Larry. Larry's had a really good start to this season, but I, I just think he's on a heater. I don't think this is the new Larry Markin. I think Kobe White has just been pretty damn bad, to be honest with you. I don't want to kill Kobe too much, but he's been really bad. Patrick Williams started well, sort of had a bit of a lull, but sort of came back again tonight. I thought he was pretty good against the Knicks. But, I mean, he, he's 20 games into his career. He's got not going to lift the, the, the ceiling of his team just yet. So, in that sense, Fred, I guess the, the point I'm trying to make here is I would rather see the team... Start to build around Zach Levine. I mean, he's a top 30, top 40, top 25 player, whatever the stupid number is, wherever you have him ranked. I mean, he's improved to that point where he's a legitimate all-star level player at this point. I don't want to talk about, you know, rebuilding or tanking or selling off Zach Levine to go go back and tank again and, you know, build around Kobe White as our shooting guard of the future, keep Larry Markin and build around Wendell Carter, get another draft pick in with Patrick Williams and start rebooting this rebuild. I don't want any of that at this point because, I mean, where the hell is that going to take us? Because the last three to four years have essentially netted us Kobe White, Wendell Carter, Larry Markin and Patrick Williams. I don't feel like any of those guys are franchise guys. I don't feel like Zach Levine is a franchise guy, but... If there's anyone that comes close to being that, it is Zach Levine. So let's let, let's bring in some more veterans. Let's trade some of these younger pieces to get some support with Zach. Get some more vets in who can sort of help him out as 
Thad, Temple, Sadoransky, Porter have done. That's kind of what I want to see the Bulls do going forward. And I guess the angle that I'm pushing at the moment is that they should go after Bradley Beal. So I don't know how you feel oh, about that whole rant. Nice. but um, Well, this is really uh-huh. interesting. I mean, to me, this is the whole core of the discussion for the next two months. Like, yeah, everything sure. is everything is around this decision because I, I agree with you. Like, I, I want to, like, build around Zach and find another great player. To, and, and let's go with Zach. If you make that, if you go in that direction, you cannot trade that young. You cannot tr- trade anybody in PYT. Maybe Otto Porter Jr. if you're if you're going to get a good enough return for it. But do you think Zach's going to want to stay here if you trade that young? Like that's got to be part of the conversation. If we're building around Zach, he's got to want to sign a contract with us. Why? Why would he want to stay in Chicago? This is Seth's seventh season. He hasn't been in the playoffs yet, and we're going to show him how much we were serious about winning by trading. Arguably the second best player on the team. You just said it. Yeah. So I think there's a major, major issue here. Like, if you want to build around uh, around Zach, you better think twice about trading Dad Young. And I, I would not even trade Dad Young unless it was a, a, a number one coming in return from a contender. Like to me, Boston absolutely needs him. I'd trade. You know, if I were if I were Boston, I'd trade my number one for Dad Young. You have that cap exception today. Um, and, and he would significantly, significantly improve that team, and I think they would it might actually, you know, be a risk to Philadelphia or whoever comes out of the East or even Milwaukee. Um, but they need a big, uh, good front court player. So this is the key to the season. Like, we have to decide: are we going to go for the playoffs, or are we going to trade these guys for additional draft assets? Because if we do, I think there's a really good chance we don't make the playoffs. If you're trading Thad Young and Otto Porter Jr. and even Garrett Temple. I don't think we have enough to make the playoffs because I think outside of those three guys, and you look at the on-off court numbers of the team, I don't, I don't feel great about the rest of these guys at all. I trade Sato in a minute too. Yeah, I, I, I I'm, I'm at the point where I just, I just don't think a rebuild really makes sense, um, or at least trying to rebuild again. Maybe, maybe it. Maybe that is the right answer, and maybe I'm just being too emotive about it. Maybe I'm too invested about it, and I just don't want to go through you know other. You know, another two, three, four, five years of bad, bad basketball. I mean, I just don't want another Jimmy Butler situation. And I understand that some fans don't necessarily think Zach Levine is worth a max contract. And it is Jimmy Butler 2.0 in the sense that a lot of people didn't think paying Jimmy Butler was worth it. He wasn't good enough to be a franchise guy. And obviously the Bulls traded him for what he did. And that hasn't worked out for the Bulls, clearly, because we're having this conversation about them potentially entering another rebuild. I don't want to have that happen to happen again with Zach Levine where you get rid of another top 30 player, let's say, you get back some draft concessions or whatever it might, might be, and I don't know, you go towards another rebuild. Now, maybe AK ex- executes a rebuild much better than Garpax. Maybe that happens. Maybe they luck into some draft picks like the, like the, the Bulls didn't necessarily do in the last two to three years. Instead of picking seventh, maybe you do get that number one overall pick. Maybe you do get Kay Cunningham and things look a lot better. But what happens if you don't? And you're sort of repeating the same thing that we've been doing the last two to three years. At this point, I would rather add a player who's similar level to Zach, if not even a better player than Zach, and just have two all-star caliber players. I mean, when was the last time in Chicago we had two all-star caliber level players, two legit top 30 players? It wasn't that long ago. We had Jimmy Butler, Derek Rose, Jakeem Noah, and Paul Gasol. Man, that was like five, six years ago. That's that's a long time. Yeah, but that's a long time. I mean, Mark, how many teams... Don't even – come on. How many teams – do you know how long it's been since Minnesota's won two games in the playoffs? I mean, there's – I don't think I, – I, I always hear this again over and over again. Like, we've been in just dire straits and things have been just so awful. I, first of all, I agree with you. I don't want to go through another rebuild. I'm not about playing the process or anything like that, that nonsense. But it hasn't been that bad. Like, it was only a decade ago that we were in the Eastern Conference Finals and we had one of the best young teams in the NBA. We all know what happened. Injuries ruined that whole situation. But, like, if I'm Arturis and I want to be selfish about it, I would go in that direction. I would trade Zach, and I would rebuild. And I would – because you got more time. Nobody's going to fault him for that. You can just blame it all on Garpax. I think that would be a mistake. I don't think that would be the right direction. I know, I know deep down you don't want to go in that, that way either. But, you know, the more I think about it from his perspective, he'd probably say, I don't like any of the guys here. I'm just going to blow this up and rebuild again. I don't think anybody would fault him for it. I'm not saying that's the right uh, you know, decision, but everybody's like assuming he's going to do better than you know what we had experienced before. Like I, 
again, five-year period, Jakeem Noah at nine, Derrick Rose at one, Taj Gibson in the 20s, Jimmy Butler at 30, Tom Thibodeau, five-year stretch. You going to beat that? You're going to beat that. I hope yeah, so. I, don't know. It would be I nice, hope so. But probably it's, not. It's going to be really, yeah. one of those guys is an MVP. One of those guys is a defensive player of the year. Two of those guys made all NBA. And then you sign Paul Gasol as a free agent who ended up being uh, an all-star two years for us and made all pro second team. So that's a pretty good stretch. Like, and everybody's like, oh, he's going to do a lot better than that. Well, maybe. I hope so. But I'm not entirely confident anybody can do better than that because that was a good stretch. It was, Totally derailed because of injuries. I know everybody's listening to this is like, oh, here goes Fred again, yeah. defending Garpacks. That's what I was about Garpacks. to say. Enough, enough of this defensive of Garpacks. That's enough. <laughs> I'm, just I, saying, I'm just saying, I hear Nick Friedel. This is part, I, I do got to say this. Nick Friedel was on with Zach Lowe last week. Yeah, I, almost, yeah. I almost fell out of the chair when this guy had the audacity to say, Bulls haven't signed anybody since 2011 and Carlos Boozer. Really? Really? So Paul Gasol signed in 2014-15, and he made two All-Star teams. That wasn't a good signing for free agency. Jabari Parker? I think it'd be better than uh, Carlos Boozer. What did you, what did Jabari Parker turn it into? Otto Porter Jr. What's Otto Porter Jr. Yeah. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see how the man made of styrofoam if he could fetch a number one pick. We'll see where it ends up. I'll never. I will always argue. You got a lot. How about Dad Young? Was that a good signing? That was a very right. good signing. Congratulations, John Paxson. Thank you. Thank you for everything you've done for Chicago basketball, John Paxson. We, we love you. We love you. Thank you. You're a great man. I love your bald head. But moving, moving on from John Paxson, my point is, I, I just, I think Zach has propelled himself. He's gotten good enough at this point where trading him probably doesn't make sense. I mean, there was a time maybe 12 months ago when Zach wasn't at the level that he is now where he wasn't even maybe a top 50 guy, maybe he was a top 60, 70 type player, where, yeah, okay, maybe you would trade him for a couple first-round picks, maybe you would go into another reboot of the rebuild. But now, given that he's really established himself as an all-star level player, I just don't want to repeat the same situation. And the Bulls should really be leveraging the fact that they are a big market team. I mean, they are they are a sleeping giant. And on that podcast that you sort of referenced where Fredell was on with Zach Lowe, I mean, the Bulls are one of the, what, two, three, four biggest teams in the NBA from a market point of view, and we act like the OKC Thunder. I want that to change under AK. It doesn't necessarily have to happen right now, like today, or even at this deadline. But just let, let's trade for some stars, for goddamn sake. Like, instead of playing the free agency game or playing the let's trade our good players and let's tank because no one wants to play here in Chicago despite the fact that we're a big market, despite the fact that we had Michael Jordan, we're one of the biggest franchises, not only in the NBA, but in the whole freaking world. Can we please use that leverage and actually get a player through like Bradley Beal? If it's not Bradley Beal, whoever else that player is, let's get in another good player to line him up next to Zach Levine and let's let's try to build upwards. That team may never win a title. I'm not a title or bust kind of guy. But if they could be the Portland East or the Utah Jazz of the East or whatever it is, a team that wins 50, 55 games and for a good five to seven year stretch, it's just a good, fun team that you love to root for. Just just give me that at this point. And I think you're just more likely to get that in terms of trading your, your pieces that you have on the roster right now. So guys like Kobe, guys like Larry, some future draft picks, put it on the table and go get Bradley Beal. Let's bring in Lonzo Ball. Let's let's get cooking with those three guys. Let's put Patrick Williams at power forward and, and Wendell at center for it. That that is the thing that I'm on right now, and uh, that's what I want to see. Well, listen, I love a lot of what you're saying. Believe it or not, I just want to warn you. I think the ind- indicator is that uh, that's not the direction our tourist is going to go in. I think that indication Maybe. occurred on the draft night when he took Pat Williams at four, who you know isn't, in my opinion, he wasn't anywhere near. NBA ready. Now he surprised a lot of people. He's been a lot better than I expected on the offensive end, but you know, still makes his mistakes in the defensive end. But more importantly, he's not as well suited to this team as the guy who was picked after him. And so that guy's really made a difference for Sexton and Garland, who, if you look at it, it's kind of a similar backcourt, right? Two guys that aren't great defensively. In fact, I'd say Cleveland, arguably, those two guys are even worse defensively than Levine and Kobe White. And you pick up a stud at the three position to, to play defensively, whereas I think he just believes Pat Will's got a higher ceiling than Okoro, and he took him, even though he's not as good a fit, is not a, is not a good a fit for this team. So I, I don't 
see him going in that direction. I hope I'm wrong because I agree with you. Mark, I like this thinking. Let's go big. Let's get Beal. Let's pair him up with Levine. I know that's going to look like a mess defensively backcourt, but let's, let's, uh, let's get crazy and let's have Wendell Carter Jr. clean up the mess. You know, like try to hold on to him, hold on to somebody and trade everybody else. And how, how far willing are, how far are you willing to pass out, uh, uh, to deliver number one picks for two years, three years for Beal? Like what, what, what do you say? I, look, I, if, if I could make this deal right now, I'm giving them Kobe. I'm giving them Kobe, I'm giving them Lowry, I'm giving Otto Porter to match salaries, and I'm giving them two future first-round picks that are protected of some of some nature. Whatever that protection may be, we can have a t- chat about that with some Wizards person. But I am putting that on the table right now. I am going after Bradley Beal. I'm trying to get Lonzo if I can, but he's not, you know, he's, he's inconsequential. He would just be a nice offset to both Beal and, and Zach in terms of, you know, he'd be a different player to them. He'd be... If you play faster, play with Billy Donovan in a, in a more paced-out sort of system, you have Lonzo sort of feeding the ball to Beal and, and Levine. That would be very, very nice. And then you could put Pat at power forward where he belongs next to Wendell. Those two as a defensive force would be very, very appealing to me. You'd have Patrick Williams at power forward. That's four-hour basketball. I, I would just really be into that. But um, I don't know, Fred. I, I would put draft capital on the board at this point. I, I'm not going crazy and offering up the whole thing, like three picks plus swaps like teams have done for Drew Holiday or whoever it may be. The Bulls aren't in the position to be offering that many picks. But to be frank, like a lot of other contenders aren't in that position to do so anyway because they've sort of traded their draft capital. So I don't even know if Bradley Beal is getting traded for the same amount of draft picks as someone like Drew Holiday did. did. So maybe the Bulls do have a chat, a chance of getting someone like Bradley Beal for the package that I sort of noted there. But I don't know. I guess my point is, whether it's Bradley Beal or not, I just want them to see them build around Zach, get in some vets like they've done who can lift the baseline of this team and get in another star player to support Zach. And once you've got maybe two stars like Zach and Bradley Beal who are similarly aged players, then... Who's to say you can't attract a third star at that point? I mean, yeah, yeah. why not? Why not? It is Chicago. It is still a big market. Let's go for it. You're not going to attract stars by continuously building through the draft and sucking year on year on year. So, I don't know. I'm just ranting at this point. In fairness to the org, they did sign Donovan. That absolutely, to me, indicated a different direction than the way they've done business in the past. So, I hope you're right. But I, I honestly feel like if you could tell me how to just hold on to Thad Young, Wendell Carter Jr., and get Beal, I think... Beal Levine, Wendell Carter Jr., and Dad Young is enough to really make some noise. Like, <laughs> really make some noise. Am I crazy? I don't, I don't know. Define to, to noise. I mean, that would need another offseason or two to add pieces uh, how, around. How about them, this kind though. of noise? I'm not afraid of any freaking team in, in, in the East. Okay, well, you, you've gone too C-Red at this point. You've gone too <laughs> C-Red. <laughs> you had me... You, you've got... Yeah, you just... You just you, there's a level where I'm, I follow you to maybe like 55, 60% of what you're saying, but then you just keep pushing it that little bit more. I'm like, okay, I, I can't be seen next to this person anymore. <laughs> well, I got to tell you, I got to point to Washington, how Washington beat the Nets earlier this week with yeah. 70, 78 combined points from Westbrook, Beal, and Denny Average. And they were able to do it with those three. Imagine what we'd be able to do with, with the four. Wow. That's all I'm saying, brother. Just think about it. That, that's, that's a fantastic point, I guess. I mean, yeah, that is a great point. Maybe we could get Danny Average in that deal with Bradley Beal, Fred. What do you think of that? <laughs> I think I feel a little nauseous. I absolutely would not like that uh, part of the deal. Uh, anyway, well, this has been fun, man. i got to get some sleep, though. i got to tell you. I'm no, gonna, I was just about to say, let, 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 let's sign off. I mean, we've ranted long enough. We barely even talked about the game. And to be, to be fair, I didn't really want to talk about this Knicks game because it was atrocious. The Bulls were bad. They should have lost by more. They played maybe 12 minutes of basketball in that in that final quarter, maybe even a bit, a bit of it in the third, but that first half is so bad that I, um, I'm i a little bit annoyed, but uh, my world is a little brighter after talking to you, Frederick. So thank you for coming on. Uh, oh, in awesome. the rare chance that people don't know where to uh, to follow you online, yeah, I, I say rare because you are Chicago's biggest D-grade celebrity, so I'm sure they're already doing it. But in the rare event that people don't know where to follow C-Red Fred online, where can they do so? Uh, so the big red bus with the great one, Doug Tonus, uh, Podfather, uh, check that out, Big Red Bus. You can even go to Lexington and say, play the Big Red Bus, Bulls, and you'll hear it. Um, Chicago Bulls, I occasionally, I'm not doing that as much anymore, but I'm trying to find some time to do that. I had a great interview with Mark Schanowski that I have to pat my back on. I thought it was incredible. 
And then <laughs> also a show uh, that I started called Knights of the Round Ball Table, which is where I bring the greatest minds in Bulls Twitter and you occasionally um, <laughs> to talk and debate the Bulls. Uh, the Bulls. And uh, I, I've really enjoyed doing that. I got to admit, and I do all the production, uh, not all the production, it's done by the great Stephen Johnson, but I do the videos that uh, start out in section and they're always filled with. <laughs> incredible information some of it made it say biased but it's always incredible well yeah i mean that's one way to, to describe it that is that is that is for sure um i always uh, enjoy watching your videos watching your content yeah can you can you do some more videos on twitter like those like one that? minute videos i love those video clips that you do because it just makes me laugh they're the best i appreciate you saying that yeah like because i i started doing it and i didn't realize like how many people enjoyed it i started getting all these notes like oh you got to keep on doing that because you know people want to hear my don't realize I'm a fountain of basketball knowledge. I'm a coach. I coach sixth graders. And um, I just basically <laughs> analyze the game like I do the sixth grade games. Yeah, yeah, I, I can tell. I can tell. <laughs> but, um, I thoroughly enjoy them, so please do them more. But, uh, look, I appreciate you coming on, as always. This is always fun. Um, you're ever humble, as, as we sort of just heard just then, just an extremely humble man. So uh, thank you, Frederick, for coming on the podcast. Bulls fans, whilst you're out there following Fred online, do so with me as well. You can catch me at MK Hoops on Twitter. You can follow the podcast on Twitter too, at Pod. If you want to be part of the Bulls HQ Discord forum, shout out to all the Bulls, uh, all my Bulls guys in the Discord forum. Frederick's in the Discord, but he doesn't necessarily know how to use his iPhone or just the <laughs> internet in general, so he doesn't really hop on much. But we do have a lot of people in the Bulls HQ Discord chatting Bulls 24-7, so shout out to my OGs in there. I really appreciate everyone there. But if you really want to be part of that and just joining the conversation, send me a DM on Twitter, again, MKHoops, if you want a link to that. Come be part of the Bulls HQ Discord forum. But that just about does it for this episode of Bulls well, can HQ. Can I add one more thing, Mark? Uh, I, I, I guess, Fred, I, yes, I've you can have prom- one more I've thing. I've been promising to do this. I am almost <laughs> done with the Heinrich song uh, that I've been, oh. I've been, I've been talking about. I, I've for, forgotten about it at this point, Frederick. Three years. I yeah. promise you, after the single comes out, I, I just have to get a group of children together to complete the last chorus, and it's a little hard in the COVID era. Right. Um, so I want the children singing the chorus to make it sound really, really special. Um, but I, anyhow, I digress. I will do a live version on this show. How's that sound? Well, look, it sounds great. Um, I don't believe it will happen because you're just incredibly flaky and never hold yourself to any uh, promises that you do make. So um, I, I, I don't <laughs> Did know I that will happen. Up Santa but... and read your speech. If, if, uh, if you're prepared to do it, I'll most certainly uh, entertain you and do that. But uh, I just don't believe it will happen. But uh We'll, okay. We shall see. Thank All you right, for the you. offer anyway, and thank you for interrupting my <laughs> my exit out of this podcast. Where was I? I was saying thank you, Bulls fans, for listening to this episode of Bulls HQ. Uh, I appreciate your support. I hope you hopefully you had fun listening to Fred and I just rambling on about nonsense in this one. We will be back next week talking all things Bulls. Uh, next week, the Bulls have a couple games coming up against winnable teams, two games against the Magic. They've got a game against the Pelicans and the Wizards in there as well. So some winnable games coming up for the Bulls, and hopefully they get some wins that way. I don't have to go on stupid rants anymore, but uh, that just about does it for this one. Thank you, Bulls fans. Speak very soon. Rose Davis, historian and co-host of the sports podcast, Burn It All Down. And now I'm hosting the new season of American Prodigy, all about black girls in gymnastics. For the last 40 years, black gymnasts have moved from the margins to the core of the sport and changed gymnastics along the way. Now they tell their stories. You'll meet trailblazers like Diane Durham, superstars like Jordan Childs, and everyone in between. Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.